Welcome to the Zero to Five Million Dollar Podcast. I'm Sean Finder, and I'm with my host, Ollie Whitfield. This show is brought to you by Autoclose, a vanilla soft company. Ollie, why don't you introduce today's guest, or even better, just what we're going to be talking about today. What's up, everyone? So Sean's had a good month, and we've been doing so much in the marketing team over here that you know, I feel like it's time we all had a slice of humble pie, sat ourselves back down, and, and remembered some... Um, some less awesome moments from um, from times gone by. So I thought, let's um, let's look at some of the things that we've both done to grow companies that we've worked for, and they just did not work. Like flat out, spectacularly failed. I know that you'll have a few because I have some. So um, so start us off, dude. What name me something that you tried to do to grow or to close or a company previous, and it just bombed. Just did not work. So um, I would probably start off by saying. Uh hiring prematurely um so i think early on you always want to grow a company very quick once you get your mvp and you want to hire the salespeople, market people etc i think one we one thing we did was we hired um salespeople a little bit too early because at that point we didn't have enough demos and stuff to keep them busy so what happens when you don't keep a salesperson busy well they look for a new job if they're not making enough money so one thing i did was um, we were hiring, it was only three of us, but then we we're hiring about five people at the same time. And you have five people you have to train, you have to get the technology. So it was just a lot of stuff. So I think we hired some people prematurely um, and probably should have waited a little bit before we got them in, made sure we had the processes in place, make sure we can make their life easier once they were in. We had the tech stack, et cetera, instead of just hiring people and expecting them to, to figure it out their own way. So I think that was one of the early mistakes we did. Um, but to be honest, I could probably name at least a half a dozen um, mistakes we made along the way. <laughs> well, I'm glad we booked this then, that this could, this could turn into two episodes. Probably one, one of the first ones I ever did, uh, we bought into a tool, which was like a very significant spend for, for our company at the time. But, you know, we didn't have that many clients and just the spend was, you know, worth a lot. You know, it, it was almost uncomfortable to spend and we just put all of our eggs into that one basket thinking, you know, if we get this going right, we'll just fly. And obviously that's not how it normally works. You, you never really transform anything by buying a tool apart from in, in rare situations. It's normally to make you do anything faster, better, or, you know, with less time, something to that effect. But we, we thought it would transform the whole company and it, it really... um. In actual fact, it, it was it had good intentions. If we'd have been bigger and, and better at what we did, it would have worked. But for that point, we took ourselves away from things that were actually getting us new business at a semi-repeatable level. We put all of our eggs into this one thing. And essentially, we didn't burn time, but we, we really didn't make any ground at all. So that, that was a pretty bad one for me. So looking back, and now that I'm thinking about it, there's one that definitely stands out. And it was one thing we used to do was we'd sometimes have a hunch and think that, you know what, that client's probably not the best fit or that client is probably going to be, you know, a headache. And we realized that very early. The problem was we were say yes to every single client request. We'd have people asking about discounts. We'd say yes. We had people asking about feature requests. We'd say yes. About partners. We basically said yes to everything. Um, and, and, and the one thing we learned was sometimes you have to say no to a deal. And a lot of people have trouble. Like they think, oh, well, we need the revenue. They're going to pay us. But sometimes if you have a hunch and you think that that prospect 
is not the right fit or that client is not the right fit. There's nothing wrong with saying no. Um, and that's one thing that we learned uh, early on. And now, for example, if I have a hunch and say, you know what, AutoClose is not the best fit for your business. I would go with A, B, and C. It's a little bit of solution selling and consolidative selling at the same time. But what I'm doing is not bringing on people that aren't the right fit for a product where at the end of the day, they're going to churn, hurt our churn number. So I would say one of the things, again, is saying yes to every single client, customer, prospect, et cetera. I wonder if you've had this one. This was pretty painful for, for me to learn at one point. We'd, uh, we'd won a few clients in a certain type of market. So we thought, oh, okay, well, there's no smoke without fire. Probably we're a good fit for this. So we really doubled down on it. And you can see the logic. It's, it's pretty sound. But we didn't really adapt anything. So we were still speaking the same language, still um, approaching people in the same way that we would, just different people. We, we never really made any inroads into that market at all. We didn't understand them that much. We never, outside of dealing with a couple of clients occasionally there, we never really knew what a day in their life was like. We, uh, we didn't update, for, for example, silly things like just the website. I mean, we literally put, we help recruitment companies instead of we help companies, right? It was that little that we did. That um, I wonder if that one really could have worked out had we approached it differently. But sometimes I think that is also dangerous. You know, those things can be a bit of a red herring if you've got one or two or you know a handful of companies in a certain market and you think, oh, well, we're seeing some success here. It could be for reasons other than you're a really good fit there. It could be, you know, freak of nature circumstances that uh, that lead you down a down the path. That, so probably the the thing I learned there was. A lot, a lot, a lot of research for, you know, the persona and everything else would have taught me either we are a good fit and here's how we approach these people or probably we actually are not a fit and we've got a little bit lucky here. We probably shouldn't go down it. I wish I'd learned that one a little bit sooner too. So one thing I'd love to bring up, and, and, and um, this is actually not something that we had the problem with, but it's actually a problem I just see in general with businesses trying to grow and it's scaling up too fast. Um, I would say a lot of companies, you know, they want to sprint. Um, they want to, they don't understand that, you know, businesses are a marathon. You can't change things overnight. You can build features in weeks and weeks and launch stuff, but nothing changes overnight. So I think one of the biggest thing that people do is they try and scale their business way too quickly, meaning they're not ready for that next step. And this brings me to the next one, which is kind of like, you know, the, the focus, the lack of focus, you know, entrepreneurs are always thinking of what's the next big thing. And then you're building a product, but you're also thinking, you know what? I should do a partnership with Salesforce and, you know, I should do this and I should do this. But what the problem is you have to be, have focus. You have to have an alignment. If you don't have that focus in the alignment, you might try and do a little bit of everything and not actually really do one thing really well. So those are two other ones that I really find. Um, we didn't have the scaling issue because we were, we were bootstrapped and, we really tried to grow it as we ha had revenue coming in. We'd reinvest into the business, but there's some people that <coughs> just scale way too quickly. You know, on that second part, I, I even find that personally, I'm quite a creative person. So I get, I call it shiny object syndrome. Like I read a new book or I see a new thing that we could do. And I'm like, I get obsessive about it. It, it pays dividends to me because occasionally I learn something new that really works for us, but sometimes it's hard to keep focused on stuff that's really important. So to your point as well, I think that's, um, if you look at your calendar and it's not 
unbelievably obvious what your two or three or four top top priorities are something's not right because then you're you're definitely spreading too thin and i also think we're all a little bit guilty of this so even silly stuff like who you follow on your social media and those things you um you do take in that information whether you're conscious of it or not so if i'm following let's say a load of instagram fitness people you know i'm, I'm consuming all of that whether i care about it or not i'm like comparing against that i'm looking at how they do things I'm, I'm taking all that in so if i'm an entrepreneur and i follow other people like me i'm looking at oh well, they've just integrated with this company they've just you know hired 17 salespeople. they've just abc you know all the way through to z i compare and contrast myself to that and i wonder if i'm doing stuff right or maybe i think I, i'm missing this thing that they're doing which is going to help sometimes i think you just gotta rein it in and say no I'm good with my three or four things. If I do them well, we're well on target. But we're always a little bit uh, looking over our shoulder, looking around, and then seeing where we are compared to everyone else. But actually, you know, everything looks great from, from the outset from everybody's other company. But I don't know. Did, did you ever find that, Sean? Did you ever look at like people that you're following, people that you're inspired by, and sort of catch yourself out by saying, no, like I need to focus on me a bit more? Or are you quite good at that? I think everyone does that. I mean, I, I was bad at that. I was always, I mean, I have a come from a competitive background, so I, I, I don't mind being the underdog, but I was always looking at the, the bigger, the companies have been around a few years and be like, why aren't we there yet? Like, you know, it took them six years. We've only been in here for a year and a half, but I want to be there. So I, I would say most people do. Do I wish I didn't? Yeah. I think social media and all the other stuff you can see online. Um, one thing it could be is it could ruin your focus, but it also, to be honest, it could be deceiving. Um, not everyone, not everyone uh, on LinkedIn is, is standing on top of a Lamborghini with their business. So uh, I think that's what people perception, they see that and they start getting not focused. Um, but I, I, I was one of those people, but you know, I told myself like, as long as you're growing your business, as long as you're confident in what you're doing um, and you're, and you're growing at a, at a level and uh, at what you want, um, the business will be fine. But I do want to bring up Ollie. There was one thing that I do wish I did, um, which I didn't. And one of my biggest regrets was not setting long-term goals. Um, as a business and startup growing a company, you're always thinking on your day-to-day. -day, you're trying to think of how to grow that business. But one thing I didn't focus on was that three to five years. Where did you want to take this product five years from now? I knew I wanted to take the product a year and a half from now. But where was it five years from now? Where is sales engagement going to be in 2027? And that was one thing that I didn't. And I don't think a lot of companies do that, Ollie. But I know that was one thing that I struggled with was, was really building out that long-term vision, that long-term plan. Um, and it's one thing I do wish I did. But to do that, let's take exactly what you said. Where is sales engagement in five years? You've got to look at what the other companies are doing to have some sort of loose idea. Otherwise, you just, you know, I'd like to think we know what we're doing, so we wouldn't be completely wrong or completely off target, but you're, you're doing it wrong if you're not sanity checking that against people of similar positions, right? So there's, um, I think you just have to be a bit careful of it. So for example, if, if you listen to, there's certain podcasts, we both know of them, um, where founders come and they tell you about what their, you know, revenue numbers are and all of this stuff, you haven't got a clue whether that's accurate or not. And to you know, whether it's even close or not. So I don't pay any attention to that stuff. I pay attention to the indicators of it because that's a good sign. I can maybe learn something from that. But, you know, in the same regards, so looking at what 
something could be in five years. Well, especially in technology, it changes very, very, very fast anyway. So one year could be drastically different. I think when you say things like that, it's a, it's a brilliant thing to do because it gives you something to aim towards, but you do have to be willing to change it as well constantly just because of how far things could change. So in a year's time, what you were thinking could be completely obsolete and it's you sort of have to be able to move that goal but still aspire towards it right so how are you going to balance that because that's that's actually quite difficult you've got to be willing to not set your heart on that specific goal but still be able to change it but still have to want to aspire towards it it's kind of a the antithesis of how a goal should work really isn't it yeah no exactly i mean you have to be able to pivot um and and sometimes you know, that's why I think the key is to have, you know, short, medium, long-term goals and make sure that you have those listed out and that vision listed out for not only you, for the entire leadership and the entire company. And so that's one thing, you know, we made a mistake on, but I think it's also another thing that many companies make a mistake on. Yeah, I'm with you. I like, I like when you see like a, <laughs> this is funny, the fact that you say that. When, when we're buying tools, sometimes you get like a six-month roadmap verbally or they might have a web page for it. But when you see things like the one-year roadmap, you're, you're like, yeah, really? Like, that is that actually going to happen? But we should actually be doing that and beyond for our own companies. It's kind of funny how we doubt when we see, but we don't when we say. It's funny. Yep. Okay, well, um, we're getting to the end of this uh, episode. So I want to thank everybody for joining us. And Ollie, this was a great conversation today. Um, I had a blast. And also, I want to thank everybody here that is listening from all over the world. Um, our podcast has continued to increase. We have momentum. Hope you guys keep enjoying our show, enjoying the guests in the show. And don't forget to give us a five-star review wherever you're listening from and subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. We keep publishing them for you guys. Thanks again, Ollie, and see you soon.